Well, thank you, Karen, and a beautiful offering today as we consider the blessings of God. And what a blessing it is to be at Akron Baptist Church and to be in worship with you, to see more of you uh, returning to worship here in the sanctuary. And those of you who are joining us by Facebook Live and those of you who will hear about this service on the radio, uh, we appreciate so much the opportunity to minister in this way. I told Angelina a while ago when she sang how deep the Father's love for us, I sang that all week, all week long. And in the night when I'd wake up, that song would calm me down. And I appreciate it so much. Karen, same way. I'll be singing that song all this week. Uh, those stay in my mind as you all have given it as an offering to the Lord. And how wonderful it is, isn't it, to have our young adults and youth returning to lead us in worship here at our church. Would you just say amen? Amen. Well, if you want to take your mask down while I'm preaching, that's fine. If you want to leave it on, that's fine for you too. I wear my mask as often as I can because I'm medically fragile. I've just learned that word. I'm medically fragile. So uh, I wear my mask just about all the time when I'm out in public. And uh, even today we stopped at the gas station and, and I was wearing my mask. So today, if you will, turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5 and join us. And um, you've heard the scripture read already, but be ready to turn to the book of 2 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 2 through 8. Before I begin the message today, I want to acknowledge a great blessing to our church. And that is Salem Baptist Association. Salem Baptist Association has a director of missions that I've come to love and appreciate and have called upon him several times. His name is Steve Butler. Many of you know him. He's preached here before. Um, I remember when we needed advice about the coronavirus, Steve came to our deacons meeting, didn't he? Uh, when we needed help with the uh, Easter service outdoor, uh, Steve loaned us his trailer, and we were able to set up that uh, trailer. Uh, now, Ekron uh, Baptist is going to use Salem Association's campground for youth g gathering and getting us back together. What a blessing just in this year that I've been here to know that the association has been here for Ekron Baptist Church. And folks, that's the work of the association is the fellowship of churches and we have one of the finest director of missions in the whole state of kentucky and i've met a lot of them and i'm telling you steve is top drawer and this special offering goes into that budget to help supplement what god is doing through salem baptist association i wanted to get more involved but we've had to not meet and so forth due to the covid virus um, the work um, sometimes there's a uh, over at West Point, there's ministry up there. Um, there's a lot going on. And uh, Linda and I were talking about the offering. Well, what's, what's this about? Well, folks, I am about the association. Um, I am personally committed, and in Louisville, when I was pastor up there, we gave 6% of our offerings to the cooperative program. We gave 4% of our offerings to the association. And our church was the number one giver in dollars to the Long Run Baptist Association in Louisville. I believe in the local association because we 
have fellowship with each other. We need each other as churches here in this association in this area. And we have ministries that challenge us. We have ministries that need to be addressed. And it takes funding to do that. And I appreciate what God is doing through the cooperative program. We're all about the cooperative program. But I'm also all about lo the local association. We are truly Baptist at the level of the association. Let me just give you a little Baptist lesson here. How many of you think we are a member of the, of the Southern Baptist Con Convention? Does anybody believe that? There's no such thing as membership in the Southern Baptist Con Convention. We are a quasi-member of the Kentucky Baptist Convention, but we are truly members and we hold membership among the Baptist churches of this area who call themselves Salem Baptist Association. It is the only association that we are actually fully members of and accountable to each other. Did you know that? A lot of people say, well, we're a Southern Baptist church. And I ask, well, where's your membership card? The only time you are a member of the Southern Baptist Convention is when you go as a messenger elected from your church. And for the day or two that they meet, that's when you are a member of that convention. But we affiliate with Southern Baptists who are an autonomous group. We affiliate with the Kentucky Baptist Convention. But we are members, hear this, we are members of Salem Baptist Association, and we are accountable to each other doctrinally. We hold each other accountable do doctrinally, and we have strength and fellowship through association with each other as ch churches. Okay? So when I see an associational offering, I go, hey, let's put some money in there. And I encourage you to give to the Lois Hart Special Offering. Is that right, Rhonda? The Lois Hart the association has been here since I've been here for a year for Akron Baptist Church. And uh, I know we give monthly to the association, but this helps to kick things up a bit. So I thank God for that opportunity. Let's bow in prayer as we begin today. Father, we thank you and praise you that we can hear a fresh word from the Lord in the times and the days that we live that we need to hear about this fruit of the Spirit called self-control. And I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will now move the preacher out of the way, and we will hear what the Scripture says and what thus saith the Lord. And, Father, speak to us clearly about how we can be filled and controlled by Jesus Christ present in us through the Holy Spirit so that our lives are manageable and our world can hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, the passage from Galatians simply says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And I felt led after last Sunday's sermon to just skip over to self-control. One of the reasons I... I'm concerned about the self-control issues that we live in a world that seems to be out of control. It's not a new thing. Every generation has faced this. Hear the words of the Apostle Paul to Timothy, encouraging him as a young minister in the gospel, living in a world of paganism, a world of polytheism, many, many gods, 
Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and said, But realize this, young man, young preacher, that in the last days, tumultuous, difficult times will come. For men or people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, greedy. They will be boastful and arrogant. They'll be uh, revelers or revilers. They're causing trouble all the time. Disobedient to parents. Can you imagine that? They'll be ungrateful. They'll be unholy. They'll be unloving. They won't reconcile with each other. They'll cut each other off in relationships. They'll talk about each other. They'll gossip on Facebook about each other. Well, they didn't have Facebook back then, did they? He said they will not have self-control in the last days. They will be brutal. They will treat each other brutally. They will hate what is good. They will be treacherous. They will be reckless. They will be self-conceited and lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. To be lovers of pleasure means hedonistic. And we live in a very hedonistic society. We live in troubled times. And today as we talk about self-control, I started to title this message Self-Control in an Out-of-Control World. But the world has always been out of control. And the Lord has given to us something called Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. He has revealed himself to us through Jesus Christ in order that we might enjoy God's idea of self-control. When I think about our county here, I learned just this week from a lawyer in this area who said that drug overdose in our counties has escalated by 50%. And in one of our counties nearby here, there have been five deaths to overdose of heroin and drugs in one of our counties. I'm not going to name the county, but... And this man, this brother of mine, I've known him since he was a kid at Parkland, is one of the um, uh, lawyers in, in, in the area here. Um, we are living in times of stress and great pressure. Alcohol consumption during COVID-19 has increased 50%. 50%. Binge drinking uh, among students between 18 and 22 is the highest category of binge drinking. Um, is higher than it's ever been. In 2020, deaths from overdose has surpassed death from accidents on the highways already. That's just in 2020. These are disturbing times. Let's talk about self-control. What the Bible has to say about self-control. What does the Bible declare about self-control? What is this word and what does this word mean? It's where we get the word temperance. Some of you have a uh, King James translation, and it says uh, temperance in that uh, translation. The word self-control really means strength for self-restraint. It means to hold it in. It means to accept your limitations and to respect limitations. 
Uh, Self-control is about holding and managing yourself so that you are no longer out of control. And if you want to see the difference in self-control and being out of control, just go back and read in uh, chapter 5 of Galatians of what it's like to live um, opposite of the Spirit of God. If we live by the Spirit of God, we're going to behave according to the fruits of the Spirit. But if we're not living by the Spirit of God, we're living by immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, strife, jealousy, outburst, etc., etc. When we are out of control, God is not in control of our life. That's really the definition of being, having self-control. We have self-control. We have self-control when Christ is in control of our life. The Bible says in Proverbs, a person without self-control is as defenseless as a city with broken down walls. That's how vulnerable we are if we do not have self-control. Jesus is our prime example of what self-control really is. And if I could take you to a point in Jesus' life where he illustrates for us what it means to have self-control, I would take you to the Garden of Gethsemane. In Gethsemane, Jesus anguished between what God the Father would have him to do and what he could have done uh, had he listened to his human nature. Does he listen to God or does he listen to his humanness? Because you understand that Jesus was tempted in every way, even as we are. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed this prayer. Father, not my will but thine be done. Jesus showed us what self-control is all about. Letting God control our destiny. Letting God control our behavior. Letting God control our choices. Jesus exemplified that in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, where do we get self-control? Well, in the passage in 2 Timothy, in chapter 2, verses 1 uh, 2 through 8, um, I'm sorry, not 2 Timothy, 2 Peter, excuse me. In 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 2, you find that self-control for us is not um, something that we just conjure up because we really are powerless to have self-control. Self-control is not self-help, okay? There's a lot of self-help books out there that are helpful, but self-control comes from the power, the divine power of God that was in Jesus Christ that is now in you and me through the Holy Spirit. And just listen as we read 1 Peter chapter 2. Grace and peace, he says, be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and the knowledge of Jesus Christ our Lord. Seeing that His divine power, the power of Jesus... To say, not my will, Father, but thine be done. His divine power has granted to us everything that we need pertaining to life and godliness. Now, if you look in verse 5, he says, For this reason, apply all diligence, and in your faith supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence supply knowledge, and in your knowledge self-control, and in self-control faithfulness and perseverance and godliness and brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. So he's simply saying to us in 2 Timothy, I'm sorry, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 to 8, 
that our self-control comes from Jesus, the divine power of God to let God's righteousness and God's holiness live in our life. I can't control myself. Paul had that same problem. Paul had this uh, earthly nature, he said, in Romans chapter 7, and he had this heavenly nature inside of him, the divine nature of Christ in him. And he said, there's a battle always going on with me. And he said, sometimes I feel like I want to do the right thing, but I'm not able to. And sometimes uh, I want to do the wrong thing, but God intervenes that, and helps me to do the right thing. He said, I'm torn on the inside. Who's going to save me from this, this torture that I am in Romans chapter 7? And then he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul was able to do the right thing. He was able to say, Father, not my will, but what you want for me. He was able to face execution and saying that my time has come. Uh, there's laid up for me now a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. I have finished the course, and I've been faithful to the very end. How could he say that? He said that because Christ lived in him and gained the victory in his life so that he could make the right choices. And that's called self-control. So when I get out of control, and I'll tell you, I've come to find out that I love sweets. I believe I'm addicted to sweets. I don't know. It, it's just, and, and Bill gave me a, a cherry pie this week, you know. And uh, the, I went to the doctor this week. I said, uh, how am I doing? He said, you need to lose 20 pounds. I said, can I get a second opinion? And he says, you're ugly too. Well, you know, I, I, I do need to lose weight. And uh, my gosh, we had a beautiful wedding reception here last night. Delicious cake. Well, you're a member of Akron Baptist Church, and I've been losing self-control down here. Um, when you're at home with the COVID virus, my, I just find myself pulling a cookie off the shelf and making a coconut pie. And, and all of a sudden, you see what I'm saying? I don't have the power to control myself. And it has become a spiritual battle for me. And I have had to pray, Lord, what is your will for me? And what is your future for my life? What's the right thing to do? So let's talk about today as we move along in our outline. Let's talk about how we develop self-control. Remember, when Christ is in control, you have, we have, I have self-control. Okay? That's what I want you to take home with you. When Christ is in control, you now and I now have more self-control. So how do we develop this self-control in our relationship to Jesus Christ? I want to give you three quick things. Number one. Become a star Christian, S-T-A-R. It's in your outline, those of you, it's on the web page or the Facebook page. Become a star Christian. There it is on the board. Become a star Christian, S-T-A-R. And uh, I like to share this with uh, younger people. You know, we, we, on TV we see um, Dancing with the Stars, right? And uh, we see American Idol right? And everybody wants to be a star. Well, God wants you to be a star Christian. And it's going to take self-control for you to be a star Christian. And S-T-A-R simply means to stop, think, act, and be responsible for your actions. 
In other words, if you find that you are doing something that's repetitive and not good for you, just stop for a minute. Just pause. Just stop. Every person that's ever been through the AA program has to come to a realization that I'm out of control. And they have to stop. And when I'm, a, when I'm behaving in a way that's not pleasing to the Lord, in my quiet time, and my Bible time, I need to put it all out on the table and say, okay, stop. Stop. And then I need to think about what I've been doing or what I'm about to do. Think it through. Because you see, most of the decisions we make are made by our feelings, not by our thinking. I feel like I needed banana pudding the other day, didn't I? I felt like I needed some coconut cake, and I went and made one with seven-minute frosting. Does anybody in Kentucky know what seven-minute frosting is? Thank you. I, it's hard to find people like that. I made that. It's homemade. It's good stuff. I find, you know, well, then I had to stop. And uh, because my emotions, I had actually lost about eight pounds. And then I had to stop, and, and, and when I went to the doctor, I was just shocked, didn't realize what had happened to me. And then I now had to think about what are the choices? What am I doing? How am I behaving? Because you see, we, we buy and shop emotionally. We vote emotionally. We choose friends out of emotions. We even choose churches out of our emotions and our feelings. So many, many times we get out of control because we are operating on our feelings instead of what God gave to us is to think. Stop and think about what you're doing. Is this working for you? Is this getting you where you want to go in life? Is this behavior taking you where, you, where God wants you to go with your life? I had to think about that cookie I wanted the other night. You know, I had to think about it more. Then once you think about it, when Jesus is Lord of your life, stay with me now, when Christ is in control, when Jesus is Lord of your life, you've got to pray like Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, not my will, but thine be done. You see how that goes together? Not what I want, Lord, but what do you want for me? So I stop. I think it through the choices that I'm back to, about to make. And then I act on what God wants me to do. What pleases the Lord. You see... The fruit of the Spirit about self-control is all about the teaching of Paul in the Bible about being filled with the Spirit. You see, he said, don't be filled with wine because you'll get drunk. But he said, be filled with the Holy Spirit of God and you will have true happiness in life and joy and you'll know the Lord. And here in Galatians he says, this is how you'll behave. And one of the blessings of having Jesus Lord of your life is self-control. You can limit your activity. So how you act becomes God's choice about what's best. And then, th fourthly, be responsible for what you do. Take responsibility for your behaviors. Take responsibility for your actions. Thank you, Richard. 
We had a sign up one time in our church, in our young adult department. And it said, 10 things I will not do for my friends. 10 things I will not do for my friends. I will not steal for my friends. I will not cheat for my friends. I will not act stupid for my friends. I will not take drugs and alcohol for my friends. I will not disrupt class for my friends. I will not put these three together. Disrespect, laugh, and ridicule other people for my friends. I will not fail school for my friends. I will not act irresponsibly for my friends. I will not hurt somebody for my friends. And I will not destroy my life or anyone else's for my friends. Ten things I will not do for my friends. Folks, that's a star Christian. That's a star Christian. Now, if you didn't get all that right written down, it's on Facebook and you can hear it again. So become a star Christian. Stop, think, act, and be responsible for your behavior. Number two, we need to be tough on illegitimate desires. We need to become tough on illegitimate desires. What in the world do we mean by that? Well, the book of Proverbs has some guidance for us about desires that are human that we have to deal with, and we've got to get tough on it. We just need to make up our mind right now that we're going to be tough on these things. And I'm going to use these, uh, just a handful of them, from the book of Proverbs. In Proverbs, um, are they on the outline? It may be on the um, Internet. But let me just give them to you. We need to be tough on uncontrolled emotions. We need to get tough on our uncontrolled emotions. Proverbs says in chapter 29, Fools vent their anger, but the wise hold it back. Holding back is self-control. You see that definition? You see how that works together? Another one is uncontrolled lust and passions. Proverbs says, For a prostitute will bring you to poverty. And really the word's uh, a loaf of bread. You'll be worth nothing more than a loaf of bread. But sleeping with another man's wife will cost you your life. So immoral sexual behavior will rob you of the good things of life and leave you in poverty, will leave you ill, will leave you... So when you are tempted to earthly passions, sexual passions and lust, uh, it will leave you empty and it will destroy your life. And you can actually get addicted to pornography. You can become addicted to... Uh, lusting for other people. It can be on your mind all the time. And if your brain is going there, be a star. Stop. Think about what you're thinking about. Is this pleasing to God? Make a choice that says, Lord, your will, not mine, be done. And then be responsible for the choices that you make. Do you see how that works there? We also need to be tough on spending Proverbs says, the wise have wealth and abundance, but the fool spends everything he gets. And if you will learn to tithe early, early in life, God will straighten out a lot of your financial situations. It's amazing how that works. Uh, we need to be tough on alcohol and drinking. 
especially temptation to drugs. And I know students are tempted in all these areas. Adults are tempted in all of these areas. The Bible says alcohol bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Now, I'm a teetotaler, and I know there's a lot of Baptists out there that are sipping socially, and you may think, well, that's okay. But I'm going to tell you, it'll rob you of your life. It'll rob you of your life. You may, be, you may have the alcoholic gene. We may have the alcoholic gene in our family. We've, we've talked about that. And we say to our kids, you're taking a risk every time you drink alcohol because you may become the alcoholic. The gene may be in your family. So quit playing with it. Leave it alone. All right? And the Bible also says we need to uh, be tough on our illegitimate desires. One is ambition. Where are you going in life? What's your dreams? Um, the Bible, uh, Proverbs says, don't wear yourself out to get rich. Stop giving your attention to it. So when you have uncontrolled ambition, then you've not asked the Lord, what do you want Him to do with your life? The most wise question you can ask God is, what do you want me to do with my life? Just put it out there on the table. Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? And I tell young people, when they're saying, I don't know if I need to be doing this or I should do that, ask the Lord what you're to do. He will tell you. He will guide you and He will direct you. So self-control is having Christ control us. And then thirdly, a way to develop self-control is to bring God's grace into each day. Because every day I face the out-of-control parts of my life. My life is not in total balance. You look at me as a preacher and say, well, he's a spiritual man of God and got it all together. Well, somebody over here knows different. Her name is Linda Lou, my wife. And the other is my counselor. And the other is my friends that really know who I am. Hey, we're all struggling here. We're all struggling. Everybody has strengths and everybody has struggles. But if you will put Christ as Lord of your life, let me, give you, let me give you three things you can do every day. Now write these down. Are they up on the board? Yeah, they're up there on the board. That's why I wrote them. That's why I put them up there. Three times a day, if you will thank God for three things. When you get up in the morning, thank God for three things. Sometime during the day, thank God for three things. Sometime in the afternoon or evening, thank God for three things. Get on the gratitude side of life. And the Holy Spirit will begin to work more in your life as you are grateful to God for whatever blessing. Thank you, Karen, for that song today. For whatever blessing that you have received from God. And I thank God for my mask. That's one of the things I'm thankful for. And I wear that sucker. I don't like to wear that thing. My glasses get fogged up. And I'm seeing a lot of people out in public not wearing them. But um, as somebody said here the other day, I'm medically fragile. Well, I'm medically fragile too. And my doctor told me, you will, not, you will die if you get the virus. Folks, this is serious. I've got a friend that was on staff with me at my church. When he was a student sitting there, 50 years old. He's down in Florida. He's as robust, as strong a young man as you've ever met. They have a new pastor in their church, and he brought the COVID virus. His kids brought the COVID virus. He's got the COVID virus, and he said to us on Facebook, 
Folks, I didn't think it was that serious, but I cannot breathe. I am struggling. I'm 50 years old. I'm healthy as a horse. Tell everybody, wear your mask. Now, I'm traveling to Georgia Tuesday, and I'll wear my mask all the way down there. And I'll be with my son and stay in the house with him, and uh, then I'll drive back. But I'm going to wear my mask all the way. So I thank God for my mask and other things. Three times a day, thank God for three things. That's one thing you can do. Number two, another thing you can do is thank someone every day for your relationship. Three times a day, can you just say thank you to someone? I appreciate you. Thank you for what you do. Uh, God love you. I love you. You're a blessing to me. When you do that, you're behaving as Christ, and the Holy Spirit of God is beginning to control your life, and you get new balance back into your life. A third thing you can do is three times a day, log on to some spiritual resource, a Bible verse, uh, a devotion, whatever, three times a day. This is kind of like a prescription thing. Three times a day, do this. And if you can't remember all that, just pick one. Just pick one. And it's amazing how Jesus will begin to rule your life and rule the relationships that you are in. And you'll be like Jesus when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he was in anguish, and he was in so much anguish about what to do that he swept drops of blood. Now, you and I can get that anxious too. But he said, Father, not my will, but thine be done. And the Father took care of him. And he did what the Father wanted him to do. And that cross wasn't easy. That cross was hard. That rejection was hard. But he did the Father's will. And thanks be to God, he had the self-restraint. He didn't fight back. You know, Peter won. Tried to cut off the ear of one of the soldiers with a sword. And Jesus said, no, we don't act like that. And he put it back on. Jesus had that self-restraint. He had that self-control because he knew it was his place in the world to show what dying love was all about. And that's what self-control is in our life. When Jesus is in control, we have self-control. Now, is Jesus controlling your life? Is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? If you've not yet committed your life to him, we're going to give you an opportunity right now to do that. And um, for those of you who are listening by Facebook or radio, if you would pray this prayer with me to invite Jesus into your heart, will you bow your heads as we pray? Our Father and our God, we thank you for this word that challenges us that we can have more control of our life when Jesus is in control. Lord, there may be somebody here in this sanctuary or listening that's felt like their life is just out of control. It's time to stop. It's time to consider the path that we've been on. And it's time to say, Lord Jesus, I turn to you. I can't run my life. I can't control my life. Jesus, I turn my life to you. Maybe there's somebody in the sanctuary here this morning, Lord, that needs to Accept Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. I pray they'll come forward during this invitation, demonstrating that they're giving their life to the Lord. And for those who are listening out there, may they pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I know that I've sinned. I know that I'm a sinner. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Guide me. Control my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I pray it in Jesus' name.
Amen.